Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Surley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you a conversation with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular St. Croix, the best rods on earth, Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. Take a look at the new Tatula Elite Reel, you'll love it as much as we do. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you listen to your podcast. We are available everywhere i am not kidding don't forget the podcast is always available at our website wefishasa.com dave kranz and i are in two separate studios in northern illinois we do our work we send the audio down to our executive producer brad nearman from berserk productions down in land o lakes florida yes land o lakes how cool is that to be at for producing a fishing show He's down there. He puts the show together and makes it sound as good as it does. Bradley, we thank you very much. On today's show, we welcome Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Mike Leonard, Vice President of Governmental Affairs for the American Sport Fishing Association. Man, they work hard for us, don't they? And then I'm going to get to visit with a guy that I really enjoy, Patrick Walters. Just finished second at the elite event in Lake Fork. Over 100 pounds weighed in and not good enough to get a first place. But very proud of the young man for scoring a second place. Uh, This kid is as good as it gets when it comes to bass fishing, and I look forward to talking to him later in the show. But first, let me turn it over to my partner, Dave Kranz, who's going to have a great interview, I am sure, with our friend Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Take it away, Mr. Kranz. And as Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast. And this episode is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Once again, they bring us Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? Doing great, Dave. Thanks for asking. You know, spring is here. It's kind of nice. I look at the 10-day forecast, and I don't see anything in the 30s. And we're in the upper Midwest, and and I think yours is probably about the same. And uh, looking forward to a nice spring. Well, yeah, let's just say it's about time, right? (laughs) It is, and... uh, you know, we uh, uh, about once a year, we do a segment on the advocacy of why we all should help those new anglers, you know, kids, women, men that, you know, found or came in and came back to fishing. Some of them were lapsed. But more than ever, this last year with COVID, so many people found the in- the industry and found the sport of fishing and how relaxing it is and therapeutic it is. And, and right now, there's a big push from the America Sport Fishing Association and the RBFF, Recreational Boating and Fishing Foundation, uh, they're all trying to figure out how do we hold all these new anglers that we got. And it, it's a very important thing, isn't it? It is extremely important, obviously, for the success of our industry that we're in, Dave. But I would also say the more people we have fishing, the more funds we have to sustain fisheries. So I would say it is important. And But the answer to me, I, I get asked this quite a bit. I got asked it last week at a national training event. And the answer to me, I, I'm not going to say it's simple, but a big part of the, my answer is let's help them catch fish. If you're successful doing something and these new anglers that are in the sport catch them, they're more likely to go again. It is relaxing. It is therapeutic. And a lot of things in fishing we see that we don't see other places. I get that. But if they catch them, they're, they're going to be all in. And so it's kind of on 
us in the industry and as retailers and uh, industry representatives to help these people become successful. And we can certainly talk about that because there's a lot of things we can do to help people immediately catch fish instead of talking way over their head and not giving giving them the right advice. Exactly. And and when they start catching fish and they learn how to do it, it, this isn't the end of the line that you or I or anybody else in the industry or anybody else that has fished a lifetime, uh, you teach somebody, they, they're going to teach somebody else. It's about a guarantee. Well, that's exactly right. It just goes, it transfers on and on and on. But, you know, I, I think one of the biggest challenges that we're going to have as people that fish quite a bit talking with people that don't is assuming that they know more than they know. Like, for example, when we're talking about knots, we almost have to take it down to the basics of the five twists that's called the improved clinch that we learned when we were six and show them how to tie it and show them how to to wet a knot before you set it. Um, Teach them the importance of putting the line on the spool um, the right way. Uh, the, the, the basics of what fish do behaviorally, you know, just literally ABCs, because if, if we get going, even on this podcast, we talk about, you know, altering lures and different rattle chambers and baits and cadences and water temperatures. You're going to be 50 miles over somebody's head that's never fished before. And you're going to spook them right out of the sport. And I think it's our responsibility to go back to the ABCs and try to put ourselves in the shoes of having never fished before. If we do that, I think we have a lot better chance to keep them. Yeah, I think we got to keep it simple and you've got to make it uh, work for them. And I, you hit it, the nail on the head with they have to be successful. Nobody wants to go and not be successful. You, If you catch fish, you'll want to catch more. When you get done on that day that it was a good day, you're going to, when can I go again? And, uh, you know, can I take my buddy with me or can I take my kids with me or can I take a neighbor? You know, somebody, it's contagious and and that's a good thing about it. That, that's, that applies to all ages, whether you're a man, woman, young, old, whatever, it doesn't matter. If you catch them, it's fun. You know, so what are some of the things that we can do to make people successful? It can give them a great education on the local fishery. Explain seasonal patterns at a very basic level. What are the fish on the bank? When are they out chasing shad? I mean fishing for if they walk down a shoreline and they see a bunch of minnows flying out of the water 20 feet out they might not have any idea there's predators i think it's important for us to make that extra effort i would say even more so than talking to somebody that's fished a lot because the, the the ultra beginner is a complete sponge on information Right. And the basics are probably very important. So maybe you start off something that's as simple as what's going to happen here in every pond across this country, every lake, the bluegill spawn in June. And and if you can get people out there and then at the same time, you can teach them the responsibility of not taking them all home. You want to take home, some home to eat, do so, but but not taking them all. Take a few, just what you can eat that day. And then we're, we're covering a couple bases, aren't we? We are, and that's a whole other topic. You know, wetting your hands before you land a bluegill and let it go. Um, even if you're hammering bluegills, you can even pinch the barb down, and that way it just comes right out. Or if you're using live bait, don't feed them for five minutes before you set the hook. Things like that um, are, are, you know, just, again, it's back to that root level, because I promise you, Dave, you and I and every other listener out there that's fished a lot, which is a lot of our listeners, have made all of these mistakes. We've all had to learn by doing it ourselves and looking back on it now. It's like, man, I wish somebody would have told me that, you know. Um, 
even if it's understanding the basic or like understanding the basic bait categories you know you're talking about lakes and ponds right now our predator fish and our bait fish are both getting in that spawning mindset explain to people what that means where does it set fish up fish start to back off of the feeding side of things they start looking more towards the bottom content and if people even even a beginner if they if they understand why things are happening they're definitely going to be able to put two and two together and make a lot of these decisions on their own yeah, teaching them about the habits of these fish and seasonal uh, adjustments that they have to make so they can be successful every time. Uh, one of the things, that you mentioned it earlier about the funding for the resource, uh, the power of the number of participants uh, is a very important thing to the people that distribute those funds. You know, governmental agencies, Department of Natural Resources, fish and games across this country basically gets funds based on how many licenses are, are out there, the resources are uh, upgraded or maintained, due to the fact that there's many participants. So there is a, a great argument to be made that this helps the whole resource. It helps clean waters. It helps a lot of things, uh, not only the fisheries, but all the wildlife that use those same areas, isn't it? Let's face it, our challenges are greater than ever. Uh, legislatively uh, opposing views on fishing and hunting in general. And the more voices we have, number one, the more advocates we have, number two, and the puts us in a better position to sustain fisheries and increase participation for us and our children alike going forward. It's not rocket science. So it's, it's really on us to promote the sport every way we possibly can and to keep people in the sport. A lot of that is helping them become successful. And really that's the summarization of this whole podcast. And I, I think that we need to take it very seriously that we have a once in a lifetime opportunity because of this dreaded COVID silver lining is it brought 8 million new anglers into the sport last year. And if we can keep a percentage of those, we're all going to win. Yeah, it'd be great if we can keep them all. And, and let's think about it. We all have tackle that we don't use anymore sitting in the corner of our garage or our shed or our basement somewhere. I mean, what's wrong with pulling one of those out and putting good line on it and giving it to the neighborhood kid? Or if you see a, uh, somebody that's starting to get into fishing, maybe they have some empty level equipment. We might have some stuff that's in the corner that's mid-range. And, you know, why not clean it up and dust it off and put fresh line on it and say, hey, where, where are you going fishing? I'm going here or there and, and help them out. And if we all do this, I mean, right now this program gets 800 to 1,000 listens a day, seven days a week. Could you imagine if every listener just helped one person get into it this week? Yeah, but I'm not giving away my old balls of killer B1s or my old storm of the warts. Those, those stay in the box, Dave, but I'm going to say that facetiously. But, yeah. uh, no, you're, you're, you're right. There's a lot of things, boxes and boxes and boxes of stuff that still catches them. It's not necessarily trendy that, that works really good. And I think it is our responsibility to, you know, spread the love a little bit on that. And I think just as important educate people on how to fish them you know i I, ju I just think that i'm gonna keep going back to that i i think that that uh that's something that we've been blessed to have decades of experience around people that really fish at a high level and it's our responsibility to pass some of that along it, it is. And, you know, I don't want to forget to mention this. For the anglers out there, uh, they have some help. They can go to Keep America Fishing uh Dot org and they can sign up for that and they'll get information on legislative updates and things like that that are happening in the industry. And then for the people that we have people that are in our industry that listen to this program, and, and if they're not members of the America Sport Fishing Association, they should be, and they should reach out to the America Sport Fishing Association and, and uh, 
look what there is to offer. Look, look what they can do. And, and more than that, um, figure out how they can help their industry. And, and we try to do this once a year because it is an important part of, of the industry. It's something that, you know, we both have a passion for. We've fished our whole lives and, and can't wait till we get to go again. And, and this isn't a hard thing for every one of us to take a couple hours out of, a, out of our life and help somebody to get going. Yeah, and to your point, ASA is really a boots on the ground for us and legislative battles and sustainability of our fishery and reaching out and getting people into the sport. And it's extremely important as anglers that we support organizations like that. ASA epitomizes it. And we need to make sure that uh, we do our part, all of us, whether we fished for, you know, 45 years or six months. We're all in this together. And it's really the way we have to look at it. It is. And Dan, uh, thank you for being on the podcast and look forward to talking to you next week. Thanks, Dave. That was Dan Johnson, brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. I am Dave Cran. Steve Siley is remote, and the We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I would like to welcome back Mike Leonard. He is vice president of governmental affairs for the American Sport Fishing Association. He's been on before, but uh, we always get good information from you, Mike. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Dave. How are you? I am doing good. And... Uh, Legislative update, or should we call it the first 100 days? You know, we have a lot of, lot of changes this year, and a lot of good things got done last year. You guys did a bang-up job, and, and I guess the hats off to the politicians that also did a bang-up job because they, um, because they realized what's at stake here for the outdoorsmen, for the country, for clean waters and clean air and things like that. So uh, what's new and exciting so far uh, this year? Yeah, it's been... Um uh, start to the year like none I've ever experienced uh, in terms of a new session, a new session of Congress, new administration coming in, but we're still living in this virtual world and you add all the other political um, controversy going on since the start of the year. And um, 
Yeah, it's been a rough start. Yeah, you mentioned how productive uh, things were for us last year, and uh, it sure was. Great American Outdoors Act, which uh, we've talked about before, that was, I mean, once in a generation legislation to better take care of our public lands all throughout the country, providing more access, more opportunities, making sure that roads, trails, campgrounds, all that stuff's better maintained so that people have the opportunity to get out there and, and, and enjoy all the great public lands that, that we have in this country. Um, you know, that got across the finish line, something we at ASA worked closely on, the uh, America's Conservation Enhancement Act, which um, authorized or reauthorized a bunch of really important conservation programs that do you know, the on-the-ground uh, habitat restoration work um, that provides fishing opportunities. Uh, a few other fish bills. We got federal funding for controlling Asian carp. I mean, all sorts of stuff. I go on and on. Um, and uh, this was almost entirely uh, uh, widely bipartisan. You know, almost every member of Congress supporting this stuff uh, because they recognized how important the outdoors and how important outdoor recreation is to the economy, to our society, to uh, helping to create more stewards of the environment. Um, so that, you know, this is one of the very few areas of politics that can cross those party lines and still bring folks together. I will say I'm increasingly nervous um, with just how tense it is um, on Capitol Hill. I've actually, now that things are starting to slowly reopen um, on Capitol Hill, been able to spend a little bit of time up there. Over the last couple weeks, um, uh, there's still a lot of barricades up around the Capitol and the Senate and House buildings and National Guard troops all over the place, but they're, they're gradually starting to allow appointments in. Um, in addition to all the, the virtual meetings we're still having. And, um, you know, we're still plugging away, talking about, um, you know, conservation programs and, and fishing access and all that stuff. But um, I, I don't know, the political tensions are as bad, if not worse, than what you hear about it's it's um it's pretty bad and i'm hoping that we can get through it and um you know maybe being pollyannish here but hoping that still um you know natural resource concert natural resource conservation can still be an area that brings folks together because we sure need it we we need um we need these programs to to continue providing fishing opportunities and uh we need members of congress to see past all their other differences and and come together on this stuff and we still have plenty of opportunities to get it done so uh, Hopeful that things will start slowing down in terms of how um, you know, all the infighting and the, the tensions and um, we'll start getting back to some level of normalcy and cooperation and uh, get, get done all these important programs that are necessary for our, our nation and for our public lands and, and fishing access to, to continue. So hopefully we're, we're getting through the worst of it and uh, we'll be able to get some more accomplishments done this year. Yeah, hopefully that's a good thing because it is the probably most bipartisan thing, the outdoors, fishing, hunting, boating, and it doesn't matter uh, who you vote for or, or how you affiliate yourself that way. You you want it, these resources to be maintained. You want those resources to be available, uh, reasonable fishing laws, things like that, ease, ease in getting fishing licenses and boating registrations. And, you know, the public can help here by letting their... their uh, uh, congressmen and senators know, and, and I think an easy way is uh, to join KeepAmericaFishing.org, and they can get some of this information through there. And it it, it truly helps if, if you don't only join something like that, but if there's a call to action that you need to talk to who's representing you in your state or your local area, that, that you let them know that you participate in this outdoors, and, and that's good for all of us, isn't it, Mike? 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, and that's that's exactly right. I mean, members of Congress got all have all sorts of uh, competing interests that they're dealing with, and if, if we're not making our voices heard, um, they'll be working on something else, and we're not going to get their attention. And um, you know, we saw over the last year the huge growth in fishing participation out there. We estimate going from about five million people fishing each year to last year fifty-five million, maybe even more. Um, and, you know, that's more stewards of the resource. That's more advocates for, for conservation. But, you know, we need folks to take that step and, and reach out to their uh, to their um, political leaders and make sure they understand the importance of clean waters and, and um, conserve fisheries and conserve natural resources and access to public lands and, and all those things. Uh, yeah, Keep America Fishing is a great way to stay in touch with all that's going on. And, um, you know, we provide frequent updates on important legislation, policy issues, not only at the federal level, but you know, state by state, whether you're in the Gulf of Mexico region dealing with a uh, uh, Gulf of Mexico red snapper issues or in Indiana with voting access legislation or in Maine with um, proposals to ban soft plastic lures. I mean, we, we deal with these fires that come up all over the place. And um, but it's really important to have that voice of anglers there on the ground, ready to speak up and, um, and, and make their voices heard when, when important legislation or any sort of policy decision is going to happen that might affect uh, your ability to go fish. And in this last year of, of COVID and what we've had to deal with, uh, most of the, the national parks and on local levels here with our McHenry County Conservation District in northern Illinois and places that I went to, uh, uh, fishing tournaments, the boating and the fishing, it was crazy how many people were out there. But so many of the people, it was their release. This is this is a mental health issue also of, of having these parks and these areas to uh, be out there with the family. And I believe, I believe that... Uh, the families have come back together doing things, and and we're not so tuned into being a twenty four seven where we have to be able to buy something or go somewhere every bit of the day and every, you know fill every hour with something. I, I think we we pulled back to a, a simpler time, and and I think that was good for for all of us. And and recreational fishing and boating and the outdoors has a lot to do with that, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and you know, I think it's. Um avid anglers we need to make sure we are welcoming and bracing of all these new anglers you know i know there's inherently uh you know you can get a little ticked off if you see a bunch of folks out there fishing in your favorite lake or or river wherever you're going but um you know to recognize that this is a good thing because this is more stewards of the resource this is more people buying fishing licenses which ultimately helps fund conservation this is more excise tax dollars that go back to the states to help them manage and conserve these fisheries and um you know it's more people that are going to c- care about the future of this sport so i you know i think that um that this is in so many ways a good thing uh, if you care about fishing that you know it, if you have to deal with a little bit more crowding um you know recognize that uh that that's uh, ultimately for the betterment of this sport and for the longevity of it because there's a whole lot of other um activities out there that are not seeing increases in participation and that, you know, who knows how far in the future that activity might not even be relevant anymore. Um, so we need to make sure that, um, you know, we, we're, we're welcoming and embracing these. And, and I agree with you. I think this is hopefully your stay. Um, you know, the fact that we're seeing not only folks buying fishing equi- equipment, but we're seeing increases in people buying boats and RVs and, you know, these long-term investments in outdoor recreation with fishing being a major part of it that, you know, you're not going to do that if you only plan to do, to participate in the activity for a few months and then find something else to do. So, um, so hopefully that's an indication that, um, you know, in this remote world that will probably still have some level of remote working for a lot of folks in the future, that that provides more free time and hopefully means um, 
people relaxing a little bit more and getting out on the water more. So, yeah, optimistic that this will be here to stay. And, uh, again, recognizing that that's a really good thing for the future of this sport. It is, and hopefully we can get to those new people that maybe don't realize, you know, the power of the number of participants is big for governmental agencies, Department of Natural Resources, Fish and Game. As you said, money comes back from excise tax that's on this equipment that we use. Money comes back to the states based on the number of fishing licenses that are sold in that state and they get funds to maintain these places. So I think it's uh, on us to educate these new participants. And if that means helping them be successful at a fishing trip and an outing because they can help all of us, I I think we'll be much stronger after we come out the end of this and see how many of these new license holders we can hold and boaters we can hold. And obviously, like you said, the ones that are investing in a, in a boat or a, a RV, camping, kayaks, what all these items that uh, th- those are going to be long-term participants. And, um, but, but we need to help them, don't we? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and one policy angle to all this, uh, did want to let folks know about is, you know, we've mentioned a few times here, the excise tax on fishing equipment. Um, the, and that money all goes into this sport fish restoration boating trust fund. So that's something that we're working on um, here at ASA and, and working with Congress on is making sure that that program gets reauthorized. Um, you know, that uh, the excise tax on fishing equipment combined with the gas tax on small engines and motorboat fuel um, historically was around $650 million a year, which, you know, when up here, Congress is talking about spending $2 trillion every month or two may not sound like a lot of money, but it's a lot of money in our world. Yes. Um, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars to support boating access and fishing conservation and all those things. Uh, and actually last year, that program was closer to $750 million um, because of all this increase in, in fishing equipment. So, um, but that program has to get reauthorized. We need to make sure that as part of the highway bill, we're continuing, continuing to capture that, that fuel tax. So, um, yeah, there will be a lot of competing interests, a lot of different proposals um, when the highway bill, the transportation bill um, comes up for reauthorization, which will happen later this year. So we're hard at work to make sure that members of Congress know about the importance of this sport fish restoration program um, and maintaining it and um, and modernizing it. So um, that's one where we'll be sure to let folks know when there's an opportunity to weigh in with your congressional delegation about uh, supporting that and making sure that it gets across the finish line because that is one of our top priorities for this year. Excellent. Well, we always appreciate you having you on the podcast and bringing us up to date on these items. You had a, uh, a banner year like we've never seen, I think, last year of getting things done. And, you know, unfortunately, politics being what it is, it's going to be tougher this year. But there's a uh, I have a lot of faith in, in you guys. You do a great job. And uh, thanks for being on the podcast again, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Dave. Happy to catch up whenever, and uh, we'll we'll stay in touch as these things continue to evolve. And uh, you know, again, hope that we can have plenty of opportunities for another banner year this year. Um, optimistic we'll get there. Just uh, need things to settle down a little bit. Sounds good. I appreciate it. That was Mike Leonard, Vice President of Governmental Affairs for the American Sport Fishing Association. This segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. I am Dave Cran, Steve Sarley is remote, and this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast will continue right after these messages. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. 
Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. My partner, Dave Kranz, is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. You know, if you're an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Uh, last time we had this gentleman on was uh, in November. He had just won a huge tournament, uh, and I said a lot of nice things about him. I must have sounded like a real fanboy. I called him the hottest stick in pro fishing, and I said he represents the future of fishing. Do you recall that, Patrick Walters? I do, Steve. And it's good to be back with you. That means things are going right. I mean, it, like you said, it's only been a couple months, and... Uh... It's good to hear from you. Oh, man, it is, it is absolutely great and uh, enjoy you. And I, I said it before, and I'm not kidding. I'm a fan of fishing. I'm a fan of all the fishermen. I can't think of anybody I met that I really did not like. But I really took a shine to you because I think you exemplify uh, the future of the sport. You, you, you're good. You speak well. Um, you, you, you communicate, and, 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 and you do it. You know, uh, time and time again. So uh, we we enjoy we enjoy watching you. Well, Steve, I greatly appreciate it. That really does mean a lot, especially coming from you. And uh, it's it's been a good few couple months, and it does take a while to kind of get to to, to this point. But uh, I just felt like the slow and steady race, you know, doing it the right way, and things are slowly starting to pay off. Well, you know what? You're about the king of Lake Fork. Uh, the last time we talked to you, you just won that tremendous uh, Toyota Texas Fest event, which I said, you know, for years has been, I think, the premier bass fishing event in the country. Uh, you knocked that one off. Now you go down to uh, Fork again for an elite event. And, and honest to goodness, you had just the most tremendous performance, but it just wasn't good enough. <laughs> That's what's crazy is we uh, we actually had 102 pounds for four days of fishing and didn't win the tournament. And that just shows you how amazing Lake Fork is and how good that fishery is. Because Lee Livesey, the local, had an amazing 42, pound, 42 pounds on the final day. I mean, that's unreal. I well, mean, kudos to Lee. He's a great guy, much deserved. Um, and 
you don't really lose a tournament when you get beat by a 42-pound sack. You just got beat. And, I mean, I, I wouldn't rather it happen to any better of a guy. Uh, so, kudos to him. He had 112 pounds. When you still have 102 pounds and you lose by 10 pounds, yeah, gosh, that, that fishery's got him. <laughs> Unbelievable, you know, and it's 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 we're talking we're talking about uh, uh, Bassmaster Elite fishing here. We're not talking about Major League fishing where you lose by ten pounds, uh, and that could be because a guy caught five or six more fish. You guys all limited out every day, and he still beat you by ten pounds. It, you know, uh, there's nothing to be nothing to be ashamed of. You're talking about a, a seven pound pound plus average for you, and not good enough to finish first. <laughs> That's pretty surprising, isn't it? Yeah, it's 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 abs- it's absolutely amazing. And I'll tell you something else. This uh, Lee proved uh, the uh, expectation rather than what happens. Everybody thinks that the the local guy has got the advantage, and it usually ends up that they crap out, uh, and and somebody not from the lake like wins it. Well, he's a he's been a Lake Fork guide since he was a, a young fella. And, you know, he, he said he fished, he guided 300 days a year on that, so he knows that lake as good as anybody, and by all rights, he should not have won it, but he did the opposite, and, and he won it. Do, do you look at something like that and, and shake your head and say, man, I, I, he beat me, but I don't feel bad because he got an unfair advantage. He's just been on this water too many times. No, not at all. You know, sometimes the, the whole lake advantage, it is a curse, and sometimes it's a blessing. It really depends it depends on how much history you fish. That's usually what hurts you in um, home lake fields because you start running old patterns where you caught them here, you caught them there, and then you just kind of, you're chasing a ghost. And that's usually when the home lake curse bites you. But when the home lake helps you is when you know when that bite is on and you do get on that bite window, you start running those sweet spots and it pays off. And this week it paid off early. He knew where those big fish were going to be pulling up to. And big fish, I mean, that last day, I think he had to call a 7-6. I mean, that's, that would be one heck of a call to make, you know. He put, That'd be a good problem to have. He put back a fish that was bigger than any fish I've ever caught in my life, and it wasn't good enough to keep in the box. Man, oh, man, it'll drive you crazy. Yeah, that's that just shows you when you're calling people's PBs. That's how good Lake Fork is. And I actually talked to him yesterday. He's actually doing guide trips this week. He's got five guide trips on the lake this week. I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. You he stays on the lake. Did, did you, did you, you didn't guide back home, did you? Uh, I have guided a little bit. I, I would not want to be a, I would not want to be him this week because I would think my clients are all expecting you to catch eight pound fish. <laughs> that would be a hard guide trip, you know. But the crazy thing is, Lee's probably going to catch eight pound fish. <laughs> yeah, they, and, he, and that, he knows where they live on that pond. That that's the that's the other thing that that's that's uh, that's true too. You know, w- when you guide and when you tournament fish, because I know guys that do like you know opens and things like that. Do do you want to do you want to uh, do you want to burn spots when you're with a paying customer or, or save it for? The, the the tournament in two weeks or you know how do you determine which to do that's very very difficult that makes it hard to, to figure out where you're going to fish it definitely does and that's why the the one thing about being a guy probably on lake fork is in my opinion when i go there i feel like you are never 
300 yards away from a 20 pound sack from 20 pounds of fish um the, the lake has that many fish in it and everywhere you go they're just loaded so i feel like you're always around them and being a guy there you i don't feel like you're ever burning a spot i don't you just there's fish everywhere you can just sit there and catch them off one area and then in two weeks brand new fish are just pulling up there's i'm telling you it's like they, they say they just come out of the ocean. I mean, <laughs> out of the deep. Those fish just randomly appear. Because when I found those points in practice, it was like one or two fish. And I was like, okay, you know, and it was like a three-pounder here, three-pounder there. I'm like, you know, there's not that many fish. Um, and then come tournament time, it was like all of a sudden they just appeared. I'm like, where did these fish even come from? You know, it's, they were just still coming up out of the blue. And so – Every day that tournament was just changing, and new fish and more fish and bigger fish were coming by the hour. Well, you, you, had, you had a good tournament, and it was uh, you started out with, with 32 on the first day, and you were the winner. And I saw that, and I had my fingers crossed. I oh, this kid's going to do it. Uh, he is like the king of Lake Fork. And then uh, you dropped down to third on the second day, a little smaller limit. On Saturday, you did, you did a good one. You got back up there, and then on Sunday, boom, uh, they call it the Century Club, having a, uh, uh, a total of over 100 pounds in a tournament. It was the second time you've done that, and I think it was only like, uh, I think, 32 anglers in Bassmaster history to weigh in 100 pounds in a tournament. And this was the first tournament where two guys did it in the same event. But 100 pounds, man, that is, that is so cool. Uh, you were leading on day one. What were your feelings? Work, working through every day. Did, did you feel on day one that you had a good shot at maintaining that first place throughout? Um, you know what? Honestly, after practice, I was a little – I didn't feel good about it. Um, you know, I, I got a couple good bites and some points in the mornings. I could only get one or two good bites, and then I'd go bed fishing for the rest of the day. And then when we started the tournament off, First thing I pulled up on that one deep point and I caught a seven one and I was like, whoa, you know, we did what we need to do. We got a good one in the bank and we'll just kind of see if we catch another one. And when I caught the second one, I was like, this is what we're going to do for the rest of the tournament. And I knew we were going to stumble a little bit because they, the weather conditions were just changing so much that that bike wasn't ready yet. It wasn't in full swing. Um, I thought we could have definitely caught more than 15 pounds on day two. Day two was definitely a stumble. I think they actually pulled water on Lake Fork that day. And for some reason, I have not figured that out yet, but when they pull water on Lake Fork, those fish do not like that. They are anti-current. And so the bite was just really tough on day two. And then, like you said, day three, we made a little comeback. And I just knew we had to make it to the weekend because it was going to be all out. Um, I, I didn't really think I had a chance to win until day two day three once i was like man i'm actually you know i'm only five pounds back you know on lake four five pounds is absolutely nothing hmm. um that sounds crazy anywhere else you'd be like oh man five pounds that's a lot but when after day three i was like you know what we're we're still in the hunt let's we can make this actually happen and then uh day three, four i pulled up on my first spot where i've been fishing the whole time and i bet the one a glide bait and a jerk bait out there and one of them it was over eight pounds. Right when I set the boat down, started greyhounding a big gizzard shed, and I was like, whoa, you're going to eat top water today. And I, I threw in there a couple times, never got that fish to bite, and I went and hit like two or three points with the top water and get, didn't get any bites at all. And I was like, eh. And then I went to some secondary points, 
And when I say it was like shooting fish in a barrel, I mean, it was, you, it was like you just stumbled across them and those fish were just absolutely eating on Sunday. It was, it was amazing. It, it, I mean, when you catch 30 pounds on top water, it's hard to complain. It's not often that top water proves to be the successful presentation either. So that's really strange and, and, and exciting because I don't, there's not, there's nothing like top water fishing to me to, to really get your blood pressure going. Uh, that's got to, that's got to be incredibly exciting. Oh, it is. Trust me. When you catch a nine five on championship Sunday on a top water and you're sitting there, I'm, I'm still on a big spook, a three hook one. And when he comes up and eats it and you see the whole entire spook disappear, <laughs> trust me, it will get your blood pumping and your knees shaking. I'll, I'll tell you something. Those fish were so big. I watched the video and, uh, you know, usually see see you guys, uh, uh, you know, cranking up fishing real fast and a few, or, or, uh, yanking them up uh, over the side and uh, in, in, into the boat. And and sometimes you bend over and you you can lip hook that thing and bring it in. Th- these things were so big, you guys were like grabbing them and caressing them in both arms like you were holding a baby. You know, uh, <laughs> I've never seen fish handled in a tournament like that. My God, they were huge. Uh, there was no other way they, to handle. If you didn't have, a, if you if you couldn't use a net, there's no other way to handle the darn things. <laughs> That's what was mind blowing. It was like every time you got a bite, it was like over six pounds. It felt like. I mean, it was just kind of. You were like, I just need two hands to grab this fish because it was so big. I mean, it's that's the only place where you finally like, you, my smallest fish that final day was it was like a four pounder, and you were like upset because you're like, man, I just need to go get rid of this four pounder. Nowhere else in the country are you like, I need to get rid of four pounder. Oh, man, that's a good fish. You know? Unbelievable. Hey, hey, man, let me let me take a quick break and, and I and get right back with you. I got more questions I want to ask you about fishing on Lake Fork. Uh, this is a We Fish ASA show. I'm Steve Sarley. Dave Kranz is not here guest is patrick walters one of the best on the water we fish asa we'll be right back for most anglers the unexpected is expected but what you can do is take matters into the seat of your well shorts Meet Aftco's Overboard Shorts, winner of the iCast Best In category for technical clothing. Built with a 100% submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy. Overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuables safe for the next adventure. Overboard Shorts from Aftco. Learn more at aftco.com overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. 
St. Croix. Refish ASA is back. I'm Steve Surly. Dave Kranz is remote. Refish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. You know, if you'd be interested in becoming an advertising partner with the We Fish ASA podcast, you can contact us through our website, wefishasa.com. And don't forget, check us out on social media. When you find us on Facebook, please like us, follow us, share our posts. We thank you for all your support. We thank our guest for helping us out. Got him on very short notice today. I uh, had a scheduling snafu. I called Patrick Walters. He said, I'd be happy to do this. Uh, he's pre-fishing down in uh, 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 Tennessee on Lake Pickwick right now. How's that going for you? It's not too bad. I actually just got out here a couple hours ago. Today's the first day of practice that I got. And uh, the lake looks good. It's clear. Um, I think they are dropping the water a little bit. Had caught nothing big yet, but uh, it is the first day of practice. So we're going to keep on chugging and keep on looking to see if we can find one of those big Tennessee River schools. Let me let me take you back to uh, Lake Fork for a minute. What did that water look like? Uh, the water was actually pretty clear. I was kind of surprised. It was some of the clearest water I've ever seen at Lake Fork. I've only been there. That was my third time. And uh, even Lee said that was some of the clearest water he's ever seen. Um, and the, the water was at a good full pool. Um, the fish were really focused on the spawn. They really wanted to be up there on the bank. And that's where everybody, I think, focused their tournament at. But there was a shad spawn that was slowly starting to kick on. It wasn't in full swing yet. And uh, I just feel like on Lake Fork, uh, if you want to hit a home run and you want to catch a mega bag, you got to do it off of the bank a little bit. And so that's kind of, uh, I didn't have a good practice off of the bank. I'd get one bite in the morning. And my plan was to bedfish, but as soon as I had those two bites on day one, I was like, you know what? We're going, we're going 30 pounds or bust. You know, we're, we're going to try to stay off the bank as much as we can. And it actually, it worked out. We struggled only day two, but, uh, it, the conditions on that lake were just pretty good. It was the fish were really pulling up. The shad spawn was slowly starting to kick into gear. Um, the lake is in it's it's looking healthy right now. What were the baits that were working for you? Um, I caught some of my fish on a glide bait. One, I'd catch about one a day. It was um, a workhorse glide bait. Um, Three sixteen makes it, and then I saw a Rapala Haku. It's a non-jointed glide bait. That's actually how I found hmm. the fish. Yeah, it's actually a musky bait. And then I caught some fish throwing a jerk bait, a couple different brands. Um, really, I was kind of fishing shallow points. I wasn't fishing real deep. Um, and then the final day, I caught a majority of my fish on a spook, a bone-colored spook. A bone-colored spook. Okay, so uh, other than the tap water, which was which, which was a bone color, what colors were you using with the, with the, uh, the glide bait and Arapala? Um, it was kind of shad colored i don't even know i think it's honestly called lake fork special um it's got like a yellow kind of stripe and, a, and then a black back um and then the jerk baits were like ghost minnow and just really shad colored a little bit bigger size but i sold it on 14 17 pound line just kind of dredging it and like every single cast i was cleaning play off the bills i mean i was throwing it that shallow wow Amazing. You know, you're talking about uh, uh, going back in your memory and, and going back to old patterns and, and old presentations and the way you did things. Back in the day, you used to say that you couldn't catch fish on Lake Fork unless you had red tied on. And, and they'd even say, oh, this, this this hard bait is Lake Fork red. Uh, Lake Fork red, 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 red. You heard that all the time. And that obviously is 
long gone, but like me, because it's in the back of my head, if I pulled up and got in a boat on Lake Fork, I'd be looking for a red lure or, or, or a red plastic, you know? Because it's it's in, it's 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 in your head, and it, sometimes your head leads you in the wrong direction. Sometimes it does. Sometimes though, it, it gives you the right idea. I think those fish definitely eat red, but the water's clear right now. Um, I think that just in the last year or two, that they're getting some good grass back in the lake, and uh, I think it's just been filtering the water. Um, and I think that's why I just kind of went to more natural colors this time around. But um, if they get a bunch of rain and that water off colors, I can promise you we'd be flipping something with some red in there. What? What, um, what was it? If there is big, go ahead. Good night, you had. No, I, there's definitely some big fish in Lake Fork, and it used to be probably did have braid, but nowadays with the caliber of fluorocarbon, I was actually throwing Suffolk advanced fluorocarbon, and just how strong that stuff is on my glide bait, I was actually throwing thirty pound fluorocarbon, just because. You do never know what you're going to hook on Lake Fork, and when one of those big ones bites, it kind of scares you. You're, you think he's going to rip your, rip the rod out of your hand. Oh man, oh man, that that sounds so exciting. Hey, when you're when you're when you're fishing the top water like that, you're you're you're, you're fishing that spook. You're 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 walking the dog with that, right? Absolutely. You know, I'm from the Carolinas, from the Blueback Lakes, and I usually work a spook pretty fast, like nonstop fast retrieve. But for some reason, those fish on fork, you had to, it was walking the dog, but you had to pause it and really slow it down. And um, right when you paused it, it would be, it would just be a, like a center block just got dumped in the water. I got a six pounder just come up, just blow up on her. And they would only really eat it on the pause for some reason. It was pretty neat. That, that works against a lot of people's common sense too when you think about it you say, i don't want them to get a good look at it because they're going to know it's it's artificial you know i got to keep it moving so they can't see it but no a lot of times when when you're topwater fishing you just stop dead and, and sometimes they hit right away sometimes they wait until the 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 water flattens out and then all of a sudden boom they explode on it and go that shouldn't be that way i got to keep that bait moving but uh i i, I guess you changed it up I did really change it up because I think, you know, Lake Fork does get a lot of pressure. There's a lot of people who fish on Lake Fork, and and I think there was just a lot of people who throw top water, and they get so used to those constant retrieves, and it was just something different. You know, they were like, well, it just was sitting in their face longer, and they were like, I got to eat it, you know. Uh, so it was just, I, I think, just trying something different, uh, a different approach, a different speed, and those fish just could not stand it. Excellent. Absolutely excellent. Uh, you know, the last time you were with us, I, I remember I introduced you. I said, this guy is already uh, ranked number 15 in the world by Bass Fan, which a lot of people consider to be the, the, the Bible of the rankings like that. Well, you, you, you made it up to number eight. You've gone from 15 to eight. So that, that is a good thing. Uh, people are recognizing how well you're doing. That's good. I, I, I had no idea. I might actually have to look into that. No, that's that's good to hear. It's just, and that's what I'm saying. It's just, it's a slow and steady race. What we're doing is just fishing one tournament at a time. You know who? Yeah. I said you're you're number eight. You know who's number nine? A, a fella, nine. a fella from up north here, named Seth Fighter, is number nine. Now in that in that ranking, but let's look at the other ranking, which is Angler of the Year. You are just a, about a bluegill's weight behind him. <laughs> oh. That's a, it's a close race. Seth is absolutely having a great season right now. 
Um, and kudos off to him. He's a great fisherman. I mean, he's having a great year. Um, and the thing is, that's going to be a hard one to beat this year because we haven't gotten to his neck of the woods yet. He's been down here in the south absolutely hammering these southern fisheries. So when we get up we get up north, he's going to be a, a tough one to I say, maybe it's like opposite day. Maybe he'll do really poorly on them smallmouth waters once you get up there because uh, he, he's fishing out of his mind right now. I know. I, and to tell you the truth, I, I want to go into the, the smallmouth fisheries in a close race um, just because, man, that'd be pretty cool for me to go up, to, up north in the smallmouth fisheries and really it'd give me some motivation to, uh, to bust a good smallmouth bag or two. Oh, that that would be exciting. And, and you know, I love, it, it's just... It's it's funny how it works out. It's like the last three events are all smallmouth fisheries, and it's like, oh, how do they how do they group these things? It's it's uh, it's actually letting you develop into a pattern of comfort once you're you know you're up there smallmouth fishing and and you're fishing spinning spinning rods spinning reels. Uh, you get used to that. It's got to be difficult going from completely opposite fisheries from one tournament to the next this will at least you to get maybe into a little more comfort pattern i don't know if that that's true or not but i think it would be now you know what i really do like the difference of the fisheries because it, it keeps you honest it keeps you on your toes and and that's why i love traveling and fishing that's the one thing i love about the lead series is you never know where you're going to go i mean our last two elite events we went from the sabine river where 10 pounds was a huge bag of fish like 10 pounds and you're, make, yeah. you're making the top 10 if you cut it every day and then we go to lake fork and it's like man i just need to catch me a 10 pound bass to call this four pounder out you know and that's just <laughs> what i love it's so different and that's why i'm looking forward to actually getting up north because uh the weather's nice they have ice cream in every small town and a mom and pop <laughs> diner and uh, who who doesn't love catching smallmouth? Yeah, we smallmouth ice cream. What more can you say about that? That's uh, honestly. Who, who, who we talked to the other day? We ended up. I think it was Brian Thrift talking about breakfast. You know, and he said, uh, "He said I got to try Waffle House. Change my life. I'm gonna do Waffle House tomorrow." We don't have Waffle House up here, so that's a that's a tough one. It makes it hard to eat. You, you know, to, that's my favorite thing about up north is the mom and pop diners. Uh, the only thing, the only weird thing is they don't have no grits up north. It's all oatmeal. <laughs> that throws me off a little bit. <laughs> yeah. All right. Grits, how do you like them? <laughs> little, 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 little salt and butter or you like syrup on there? There's so many different ways to eat them. It, it's like you can eat grits all week and never have them the same way twice. Exactly. A little bit of... A, little, a, a lot of butter and a lot of salt, and we're good to go. There, there you, there you go. I, I, I knew there was a lot of reasons why I liked you, and liking grits is one of them. Well, well I think it's great. Hey, I, when's the next time you go to Lake Fork? Um, hopefully next year. I don't know. Uh, it will be soon if we don't go. Honestly, we're going back to Texas in June for the Bassmaster Classic, and uh, I think I'm going to have to make a stop out there just to – Check on a couple of fish, see if I can catch one or two out there. <laughs> Are they not doing Texas Fest this year? No, that was they actually took Texas Fest away. I was kind of surprised. Um, that was Lake Fork was just a normal Elite Series event, and there's no Texas Fest. But we are going back to Texas for the Bassmaster Classic, right. so we will definitely get another shot at Texas. Fair enough, fair enough, because you do you do darn well there, and and you'll continue to do darn well. Folks I'd like to thank our guest. Patrick Walters, one of the best young fishermen on the planet. 
Uh, we we just love him here. He does a great interview. He's a, a good guy, and uh, we look forward to following his career as he just keeps adding hundred thousand dollar checks to his bank account. You know, on a regular basis. Uh, man, thanks for being with us. I appreciate your help and. Uh, Keep up the great work. Uh, go kick some butt in this open and have a great year. We'll see you at the Classic. Steve, I greatly appreciate it. I'm sure going to try, and uh, hopefully we can keep the foot on the gas. And if any time we're talking to you, it's a good sign. So hopefully I'll be talking back with you here soon. Thank you, my friend. Fr- Thanks, Steve. Thank you, my friend. Patrick Walters, isn't he something? Definitely, definitely one of the good guys in the business. Uh, would love to have him on all the time. Definitely would like to do that. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dan Johnson from St. Croix, Mike Leonard, VP of Governmental Affairs for the American Sport Fishing Association, always working hard to keep us on the water. And then Patrick Walters, Bassmaster Elite, about as good as it gets. Really like that kid. I know you know that from listening to me gush on him. I'd like to thank our sponsor, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion. Daiwa, take a look at the new Tatula Elite Reel. You'll love it as much as we do. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, via free apps from Stitcher Radio and the Apple App Store. You can always hear the We Fish ASA podcast at our website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone you think we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. We answer all of our emails, so let them rip. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week. Now, let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.